Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. In order to support this show and keep providing you tons of free content week after week, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash she and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better so that we can bring on advertisers that you won't want to skip through. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. But again, that's P-O-D com slash she. Thanks for your help. When I would say no graciously, mm-hmm. it was almost like it gave people, other people permission to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like the person who was inviting me, mm-hmm. you know, she's got a calendar too, and she's got kids or he's got kids and yeah. they're running, you know, burning the candle at both ends and, and feeling like they have to. And there were several times that I, would say, you know what? Thank you so much for inviting me to do that. I'm in a crazy season right now with little kids at home, or, you know, we're at a busy, in a busy sports season right now with our kids. And I'm just, I just decided that for now I need to say no. And they would always kind of look at me with a blank stare, like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, is that allowed? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it, there were several people who circled back with me later and said, Sandra, when you said no to doing such and such and such, mm-hmm. I realized, you know what? I'm saying yes to too many things mm-hmm. and my kids are suffering. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, Sandra, welcome to She. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so honored that you are here. I've been so looking forward to this conversation. And I just think this topic is going to be so important to just jump into completely into the deep end. I'm like, tell me everything. But before we do that, um, for those (laughs) who may not know you, can you just share a little of your background, what you do, and really what led you to write a book about parenting? Sure, sure. Let's see. Uh, Andy and I have been married about 35 years. We started North Point in 1995. Mm -hmm. And we've got three kids. They're all adults now. Andrew is 30 and he's married to Anna. Garrett is 29 Mm -hmm. and he's married to Danielle. And then Allie, our daughter is 27 and she is married to Clay and they Mm -hmm. have given us our first grandbaby. So I have a seven month old granddaughter and I'm telling you, oh my word, we could just spend the an hour just letting me talk about how wonderful she is, but I won't Aww. bore everybody with that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, goodness. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, what led you to write a book about parenting specifically? I'm curious because, I mean, you have a lot of experience now as a grandparent as well. So, I'd love to hear kind of what, what in your yeah. mind or your well, heart kind of led you to that. Well, it's so funny because just in the early conversations about writing this book, we both were like, I don't know if we want to write a parenting book. It's super scary Mm -hmm. because 
you know, it seems to scream, hey, you know, look at us. We're the greatest parents. Mm-hmm. We've got all this wisdom. Just do what we did and mm-hmm. you're guaranteed to have perfect kids, you know. And mm-hmm. and we all know that is nowhere near true for mm-hmm. any couple, no matter the experience. Mm-hmm. But so we just go, you know, we we are very quick to say we are not perfect parents and we did not and do not have perfect children. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the point for us. Our goal has never been to have perfect you know, perfectly behaved little soldier children. Mm-hmm. Our goal was to parent our kids in such a way that we would have great relationships with them on the other side of the parenting journey. Mm-hmm. So we decided to write this book now that our kids are kind of in their late twenties, early thirties, because we had gotten to that place where they're adults mm-hmm. and we like them. Mm-hmm. We like mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And even more amazing, they seem to like us and like <laughs> each other. And, yeah. you know, I've said, I've said a couple of times, if we didn't know our kids and we met them, we'd want to be friends mm-hmm. with them. And yeah. I feel like that is a bullseye on the target. Yeah. So as we talked back through some of the principles of parenting that we stumbled upon along mm-hmm. the way, or that somebody taught us along the way, mm-hmm. we decided to you know what, let's just dive in and, and, and document some of this stuff. And if nobody else reads it, at least our children will read it. I was going to say, hey, they're in, they're in, they're <laughs> in the right. phase of becoming parents, though. So how like yeah, perfect exactly. for a season to write a book like that. It's awesome. Exactly. Well, yeah, I know I know your right. book is titled Parenting, Getting It Right. And I'd love if you can just share what is it and how do you how do yes. you parents define it? And what's the danger of not finding your it? I think that's a really, yeah. um, it's a small word, but probably a very important one. So I want to get your thoughts on that. Yes. So yeah, the subtitle, so it's parenting, which is super creative Mm -hmm. title for a parenting book, just parenting. (laughs) But our subtitle is getting it right. We have the it italicized because the it really means something to us. And I'll start by telling you a little story about kind of how that idea originated and Mm -hmm. why it became important to us. So every year, my parents who I'm so thankful to still have. I know that's rare. You know, they're both in their, you know, mid eighties. And um, so every year they rent a big house on Hilton Head Island and my whole family goes for a week. I'm the middle of three. So my sister and her two kids, us and our kids and in-law children now, and then my brother and his family, we all go down and stay in this one big house right on the beach. And it's like the highlight of our year. We love being together. And I did not know that that was an unusual thing. But when Andrew, our oldest, was a baby, the three of us were driving to Hilton Head to meet my family. And we just started talking about family goals. You know, now that we have a baby, you know, what kind of family do we want to have? What do we you know, how do we be intentional? Just all those things that young parents typically try to navigate and figure out. And Andy said, here's the thing I've noticed about your family. He said, we are driving to Hilton Head to be with your whole family and we are happy about it and Mm -hmm. excited about it. And he said, that's not necessarily normal. Mm -hmm. To me, it was normal. I just Mm -hmm. thought that's the way it is for everybody. So that conversation led us to to kind of establish a bullseye on the target for our parenting. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we wanted to parent in such a way that when our kids launch out of our homes, that the relationships are strong and healthy. And the way the way that we said it was, we want kids who want to be with us and want to be with each other when they no longer have to be. Mm. And we felt like that's a bullseye on the target. Not that their relationship with our Heavenly Father isn't a bullseye or that they're you know, getting to the end of their childhood years with few regrets is a bullseye. Mm-hmm. All those things are important. And, mm-hmm. and of course, their faith journey is mm-hmm. super important and it overshadows everything else. But when it comes to the way that we parent, 
We wanted kids who want to be with us and each other when they no longer have to be. Mm -hmm. So that led us to decide and talk about how do we parent with the relationship in mind? Mm -hmm. And then you ask, you know, what's the danger of not finding your it? And I think that's a really important question, Jordan, because whether a parent knows it or not, they are always parenting in a direction Mm -hmm. and they might not think of it this way. And they might not have defined it, but they're parenting in maybe an obedience direction, Mm -hmm. maybe a, hey, we want our kid to be in the NFL direction, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. maybe a, let's just keep the peace direction, or a, hey, you better make us proud direction. You know, there's so many directions, and direction determines destination. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I might leave my house and hope to get to the mall or to Mm -hmm. some particular destination, but if I take a path that leads in a different direction, I am not going to end up. Mm-hmm. at my desired destination. Mm-hmm. So we decided to decide ahead of time our direction and be intentional about that. Mm-hmm. So we just, you know, chose to parent with the relationship in mind and that became a lens mm-hmm. through which we made a lot of our parenting decisions yeah. and family decisions. Yeah. No, that's so good. You're so right. Even as you like broke down some of those other directions that you might be able to, you know, that people might find themselves parenting in without even realizing it. I think that's something really critical right. to touch on too. Like without being aware of what direction you're going, you might just subconsciously be parenting in one direction or another and not really even, I'd be, I'd be curious. Not even know it. Yeah. And not even know. And also, would you say that some people may not even really like, is, is the danger of not knowing where you're headed is like, you don't know which direction to parent because you don't have a destination in mind. Yeah, it is. And a lot of times you see people just parenting the way they were parented, Mm -hmm. even if they didn't necessarily like that journey as Mm -hmm. the kid growing up in that home. Mm -hmm. They just, you know, we just sort of default to what we know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you can, and the reason it's dangerous Mm -hmm. is, well, there are a number of reasons, but number, you know, one of them is you get to the desired destination. You might, we may touch on this a little bit in a later question, but you might parent in a direction of having obedience children. Mm-hmm. And they may ab- obey you when they're with you, but they will not be eager to be with you when they no longer have to be mm, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, you've got some kids that are making, you know, that are, that seem to be behaving, but is that really your goal? Mm-hmm. Is that really your bullseye? Mm-hmm. So figure out what your bullseye is. Mm-hmm. In the book, we talk about our bullseye because mm-hmm. we think it's a great one. But other people may have different ones, and that's great. Mm-hmm. The important thing is to determine what yours is mm-hmm. and begin to figure out how to parent in that direction. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And I think the earlier you can do that, the better. As a new parent, I'm like, ah, yes, write this down. <laughs> right. But you mentioned right. you mentioned this phrase. You said parenting with a relationship in mind. Can we dig into that a little bit more? Like, what does that look like? And you mentioned how it yeah. can really inform like the decisions you make as a parent. So can we talk about what does it actually look like to parent with a relationship in mind if that is your bullseye? Yes. Yes. Well, that's such an interesting question. And really almost the rest of the book is about that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, after after chapter one, but we decided ahead of time to parent with that relationship in mind because we identified that as our win, our North Star. Mm -hmm. And because of that, decision making became more streamlined. We would simply ask ourselves as you know, I mean, when you're parenting and you get multiple children, especially Mm -hmm. you begin, you know, they get a little bit older and you've got calendar things going on. Mm -hmm. You're trying to decide, do we do this activity? or that activity? Do we, do we travel here? Do we not travel here? Do we, you know, all the things, all the Mm -hmm. decisions in parenting. And we would simply ask, 
is this good for our relationship? You know, when we're looking at a fork in the road, which direction is good for our mm-hmm. relationships, our current relationships and our future direct relationships? And we just knew that if we are parenting in the relationship direction, then that has to become our lens. Mm-hmm. And some of those tricky parenting decisions actually became a little bit easier to figure out mm-hmm. because sometimes we realized, you know what, this isn't a no forever. This is a no for now Mm -hmm. because our relationships are too important. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even things practically, practically speaking, like, you know, what I, how I spend my time Mm -hmm. as a mom of young kids, Mm -hmm. you know, what, how do I decide, do I say yes to this opportunity that comes my way? And a lot of times I looked at those and I thought, you know what, I would love to do that. Now is not the season. My kids are little. I, you know, I want to have my focus where it needs to be. So I'm going to say a no for now. And the parenting with the relationship in mind gave me a lens or a framework through which to look as I made those kinds of decisions. So, you know, there are lots of categories of decisions you're making in parenting. But when we stop and pause and say, okay, you know, which one of these paths is going to, you know, lead us toward the best relationships with our kids in the future. It just helped us streamline some, some answers to that. And not, and we did not always get it right. I mean, mm-hmm. plenty of times we overcommitted or we said mm-hmm. yes to something, or we, you know, made a bad decision about discipline, you know, all the things mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. made so many mistakes mm-hmm. and there's a lot of grace, I believe in parenting, but if we are overall looking in a direction, parenting in a direction, it, it does, you know, help us with some of those things. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Okay, so something else I want to talk about that you share about, I believe, in the book is the four stages of parenting. So can you unpack what those four stages are and why parents should be intentional in transitioning their parenting style from one season to the next? Because I think this is really good. Yes. You know what? It really is. And we did not make this up. We learned it from several different sources in the early years of our parenting. Andy and I have always been in a in a couple small group mm-hmm. since before we even had our first child. So mm-hmm. now for almost 35 years, we've been in small groups and it has been so good on so many levels. But when we were in those early years of, you know, thinking about having kids and then having little kids, Mm -hmm. we did every curriculum you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And because we just were so hungry to learn and to figure out, you know, how do we, how do we do this right? So we didn't make up the four stages of parenting, but this was super helpful for us. It's so important as our kids transition from one stage to the next to understand this because they will transition whether we do or not. And there's a lot to lose when we don't transition along with them. So the four just stages of parenting are number one, the discipline years. And this is like zero to five years old. And these are the years where we're teaching our kids that there are consequences for their actions, for their good, for their safety. We need them to obey. Mm-hmm. And in this season, consistency is the key. Very quick responses is key. Um, obviously, you know, you're not doing all this until they're able to understand. So it's not an infant thing. But as our kids begin to understand, you know, our yeses and nos and danger and all of that, the discipline years are the years where we're just teaching them their consequences for actions good and bad. Mm -hmm. The training years are like five to about 12 years old. Mm -hmm. And this is a little bit different because these are the years where we're really beginning to put a why behind the what. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in those discipline years, it's, hey, you just got to, you got to learn how to obey mommy and daddy. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to learn how to obey. Training years, we're telling them why. Mm -hmm. They're 
beginning to be able to reason a little bit. So we start reasoning with them and explaining the why behind the what. And I like to say for the training years, we're explaining while we're training. Mm, And during these training years, Jordan, we practiced everything with our kids. We turned everything into a game because during the training years, everything is fun and nothing is dumb. Mm-hmm. When they turn 12, 13, 14, you know, all the way to 18, mm-hmm. everything is dumb and nothing is fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so you have to take advantage of it. And we would turn everything into games. If we were going to have a dinner, you know, some people come to dinner, we would have our kids practice. Andy would go outside the front door, ring the doorbell. The kids would open the door and they would practice getting their hands out and introducing themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, just little things like that, things that we want our kids to know how to do in public, mm-hmm. we have to train them to do in private. Mm-hmm. And so the training years are when you do that. You're doing it at the dinner table. You're doing it, you know, during bedtime. I mean, you're just all of, these are just the prime years for, for training our kids. And then the third stage of parenting is the coaching years. And this mm-hmm. is like, like 12 to 18. And this is when we transition to standing on the sidelines a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We're kind of coaching them while they're learning to make some independent decisions. And like a coach, there are plenty of times where we yank them off the field. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we did some yanking kids off of the field, Mm -hmm. plenty. Mm-hmm. But we're letting our kids more and more experience the natural consequences of their actions, mm-hmm. which is a much better teacher than simply taking phones away or mm-hmm. restricting their activities. Mm-hmm. Natural consequences mm-hmm. teach such powerful lessons. Mm-hmm. And for parents, this is the season where we're focusing on connection mm-hmm. over correction. Mm-hmm. We're still correcting our kids always. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we're still correcting them. But in these coaching years, we're focusing on connection mm-hmm. because this is when we can lose them. We mm-hmm. can lose them. And, mm-hmm. and it feels, even when we don't lose them, sometimes it feels like we've lo- we're losing them or mm-hmm. we've lost them, mm-hmm. but we haven't. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, leading up to these years, doing the other stages of parenting also helps us not ever lose them, I think. Mm-hmm. So we're focusing a little more on connection over correction, which you know, you're still disciplining, you're still doing all the things, Mm -hmm. but you are adjusting your approach. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, approach is a big word as you transition from one season to the next. Mm -hmm. In the discipline years, you have one approach to, Mm -hmm. to, you know, to relating to your kids. In the training years, you've got different approaches. You get to the coaching years, and if you don't change your approach, Mm -hmm. you will not, your kids won't hear you. Mm -hmm. They won't, you know, they just aren't going to respond. We have to transition Mm -hmm. because they're going to transition. And then the fourth stage of parenting is the friendship years from 18 Mm -hmm. on. on, And this is where we are now with our kids. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's awesome in this season. And you're still doing some parenting. Mm -hmm. And parenting, you know, parenting older kids, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times we just have to bite our tongue and yeah. let them figure stuff out. Yeah. But and and you know, for a lot of our kids until they're out of college, we're definitely still doing a lot of coaching. Mm-hmm. And even in their twenties, mm-hmm. they're still coaching. You know, mm-hmm. my kids were calling me, going, "Mom, what's my social security number? Mm-hmm. Mom, you know, how do I do this or that?" And mm-hmm. so you're coaching all through those years. But mm-hmm. but your approach, again, the approach you have to be, you know, really thoughtful about mm-hmm. about your approach to parenting in the different seasons. Yeah, that's so good. I love the way you broke that down. And I do think in order to have, and I'd be curious if this is what you would think, but in order to have that last stage, the first three are so critical and following that kind of order and being able to 
to, to honor each of those stages well. And to, like you said, yep. uh, modify your approach a little bit in each one will set you up to be able to have more of a actual like friendship with your children at stage It four. really does. Yes, it really does. But the other thing I'm quick to say, Jordan, for parents who are a little further down, you know, down the continuum mm-hmm. and they've already got middle school kids or high school kids and things don't feel like they're going very well, there is still hope. If, you know, I, when I do these stages of parenting, I always want to look, you know, these, you know, weary moms in the eyes who are thinking, man, I got it all wrong. And is there no hope for me to have mm-hmm. a good adult mm-hmm. relationship with my kids? And I'm always quick to say there is absolutely that mm-hmm. that couldn't be further from the truth. It certainly sets you up better. Mm-hmm. But when we take a humble perspective and we go to our kids and we say, hey, I just want to own a few things, you know, from maybe not, maybe not parenting the way you, the way that I should have when you were in the training years or when you were in the, you know, your teenage years, you know, when we own that and we're humble, humility helps us build relationships almost always, Mm -hmm. even with our kids when they're, you know, when they're feeling far away from us emotionally, Mm -hmm. our humility and our owning our part of the pie Mm -hmm. is so important to circle back and go, Hey, I blew it, you know, and, and for my single mom friends, this is especially hard because, you know, when you're, when you've got a, a, your husband or your wife or, you know, parenting along with you on the same page, you're, you're certainly at an, at an advantage. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just quick to say to my single mom friends and to parents who are a little further down the road and feel like they've blown it. Hey, you just adjust your approach now mm-hmm. and, you know, and circle back and apologize for some things that maybe you didn't see clearly back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is still hope. Yeah, that's so good. I think that's so important to hear because it's always nice to hear when your kid is two months old, but like when they're yeah, 12, right. you know, I feel I can imagine yes, that being overwhelming. It's like, well, so. man, why didn't I know this earlier? Right, right. Man, I feel like I've messed up my kids. Yeah, yeah no, that's so good. Yeah. Okay, so you touched on connection over correction. And I want to kind of circle back to that idea because I know in your book you talk about how behavior modification is not a healthy basis for building lasting relationships with your kids. And I think at first glance, this can kind of be shocking because we're always told, like, yeah, you know, yeah. help your, make your kids obey and teach them how to behave and all these things. So can you dig into that a little bit more and share what that means? Yes. And, and you're right. It is important, especially in those discipline years, that whole obedience thing, like we talked about. But here's the thing about behavior modification. You know, having lots of rules, you know, that's typically about behavior modification. And of course, we have to keep our kids behaving and we got to have rules. All that's important. But if behavior modification or rule keeping becomes the basis of our parenting, there might be something unhealthy going on inside of us. And I think it's important to kind of look in the mirror and go, okay, why is obedience of, you know, my kids' obedience so incredibly important to me. Either we're parenting in the direction of our kids not embarrassing us, or we're parenting from a place of fear, which we need to dig down and figure out, fear of their future or fear of them repeating some of our own mistakes. There are all kinds of fears in parenting. Or maybe we're parenting with behavior modification as our number one thing, simply from a desire to control our kids. And regardless, you know, of what the reason is, it's not going to move us toward healthy, lasting relationships with our kids. Yes, behavior modification is important to think about. But if it is the number one primary thing in our parenting, We need to pause, just press pause and go, okay, let me just evaluate this a little bit and see what's going on. For us, our biggest non-negotiable in parenting 
related to how we would train our kids to relate to each other and to other people. Mm -hmm. It was about relationships. And, you know, if we go to scripture and we look in Matthew 22, when Jesus was asked what the non-negotiables are, you know, and he said, okay, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus Mm -hmm. looks at him and says, the greatest or most important commandments in the law were, and here's what he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart Mm -hmm. and with all your soul and with all your mind. Mm -hmm. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love Mm -hmm. your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. And so we just decided to always parent with the relationship in mind. And one of the main reasons for that is because on the other side of any poor behaviors of our kids is a person who gets hurt. Mm -hmm. On the other side of dishonesty is a person, a broken relationship. Mm -hmm. On the other side of disrespect is a person Mm -hmm. or a bruised relationship. And on the other side of dishonor Mm -hmm. is a person or a relationship that takes a hit. Mm -hmm. So when we're parenting with the relationship in mind, we are helping our kids understand the importance of relationship restoration Mm -hmm relationship repair, and sometimes even restitution. Mm-hmm. And parent, instead of just modifying their behavior all the time, mm-hmm. we wanted to circle around when our kids hurt somebody's feelings or lied or was disrespectful to say, hey, somebody got hurt. Mm-hmm. What do we do to repair that relationship? Mm-hmm. What do we do to restore that relationship? What do we do to pay back that person? And these are lifelong skills and perspectives that our kids need that are going to serve them well their whole lives because mm-hmm. life is relationships. Mm-hmm. And if we're just modifying their behavior, mm-hmm. they're going to go into hiding, yeah. you know, in order to keep some behaviors and not get caught. Mm-hmm. And we want them to understand the importance of relationships. Mm-hmm. So that's why behavior modification was not our number one thing. Our number one thing was relationship restoration. One of the things in the discipline years, those zero to five years Mm -hmm. that we, we decided, gosh, we can't discipline for everything. I mean, Mm -hmm. children are childish. That's what Mm -hmm. they are. Mm -hmm. And we correct childishness and, you know, kind of, you know, point them in a different direction, but we called, we, we disciplined our children for the three D's. Mm -hmm disobedience, dishonesty, and disrespect. Mm -hmm. Those were the three things that we thought, you know what, during these years, these are the things we're going to discipline for. Mm -hmm. Everything else is childishness, and we can straighten that out, help them to see that, Mm -hmm. but we're going to discipline for disobedience, dishonesty, and disrespect. Mm -hmm. And because we're parenting with relationships in mind Mm -hmm. and teaching them how to honor honor other people was super important. So uh, that may have been a long roundabout answer for why behavior modification wasn't our number one goal, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's because we're parenting with the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And when really it sets a foundation for their adult years and the rest of their lives when you do Mm -hmm. that. So that makes complete sense. Have you been wanting to make the switch to cleaner living and clean beauty, but feeling really overwhelmed on where to start and how to sift through all the different options out there? Friend, I get it. I have been there. When I first started my clean living journey, I was so overwhelmed and I was having such a hard time in one area in particular. I was having a really hard time finding beauty products that were clean, safe, toxin-free, but also really worked because the tricky part was I wanted to use clean products, but every time I would try clean makeup or clean shampoo or clean skincare, it just seemed like they didn't work as well as my old toxic favorites. And I found myself 
always wanting to go back to the more conventional stuff because it actually worked. My makeup stayed all day. My skincare was working well. So I was having a really hard time in this area until I discovered Crunchy. Crunchy is a high-performing, clean beauty brand that honestly performs just as well, if not better, than my old toxic favorites. Not only that, but they are eco-friendly, they're plastic positive, which means they take more plastic out of the environment than they put in, and they're also Leaping Bunny certified and cruelty-free as well as vegan. So if you've been looking for a clean option for makeup and skincare, for clean beauty, but you just need something that works well and that doesn't harm the environment and that doesn't harm animals... Crunchy is the place to be. I highly recommend starting with the primer and foundation when it comes to makeup or the cleansing bar and the Clarolite when it comes to the skincare. And if you use my link, you can get $10 off your first order. So just go to crunchy.com slash Jordan Dooley and the $10 off will apply on the last page of checkout to your first order. Or you can just tap the link in the show notes on this episode to shop with that link and get the $10 off applied to your first order. With two little kids, I do most of my shopping online now, but it can be so hard to shop for things like clothes online because I never know if I'm getting good quality until it arrives. The game changer, upgrading to high quality, affordable pieces from Quince. Now I have luxury essentials that transition from one occasion to the next, and I stayed on budget. Quince has so many options to choose from, like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. One of my favorite items from Quince is the silk pajamas I got. They are so high quality, luxury pajamas, but not at a luxury price tag. And I just feel like they don't even compare to some of the other pajamas that I have bought online or that I've bought um, just at various different stores. And like, these are incredible. <laughs> Indulge in affordable luxury by going to quince.com slash she for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash she to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash she. Thrive Market is a go-to for all your grocery and household essentials, and the convenience of getting everything online then quickly shipped to your doorstep is a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories, and you can use their on-site filters to suit your lifestyle needs. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks, low-sugar alternatives, or gluten-free pantry essentials, you can curate your own shopping experience with just a few clicks. And when you shop Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one for one membership matching program. You join and they give. I use Thrive Market every single month. I get our dish detergent, dish soap, and various other just basic household essentials that are low-tox and non-tox ingredients. And it is the easiest way to get all of my favorite clean items sent right to my door at an affordable price, I should add. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash she for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash she. Thrivemarket.com slash she. Speaking of the the discipline kind of choices and things like that, I'd love to hear, I know you share how disciplining choices should be carefully evaluated for the later relationship because later is a lot longer. Mm -hmm. Can you explain what that means? 
Yes. You know, the day is going to come when you're no longer responsible for disciplining your children. And when you're in the weeds of it, you're like, really? Like it cannot get here soon enough, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but they will be grown and gone someday Mm -hmm. and grown and gone season is not only later, it's going to last a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So in the midst of the heavy duty parenting years, it felt like this is my life. I am wiping noses and bottoms and driving everybody everywhere mm-hmm. and thinking about five calendars and all the meals while simultaneously mm-hmm. worrying about them, you know, growing up to be good humans who love God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just feels so overwhelming in the weeds of it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, but actually that season was just a small portion on the timeline of my life. Mm-hmm. And my point in all of that is that your later and longer adult relationship with your kids. Mm-hmm is going to depend a great deal on whether or not you disciplined with the relationship in mind. So again, back to the behavior modification thing, if we discipline with behavior modification in mind, we might in fact raise kids who behave around us Mm -hmm. and then choose not to be around us when they're old enough to choose. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to have dinner with a hall monitor, right? Mm -hmm. You know, not, not to mention the fashion monitor and the grades monitor and the Mm -hmm. hairstyle monitor. So, you know, those things we find are appropriate approaches Mm -hmm. to address but when it comes to discipline, we want to discipline with later in mind. Yeah, that's good. That's and again, so good. yeah, it always it always comes back to to that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll tell you a quick story. So when when our middle son Garrett was just you know just had his driver's license and he was you know big man because he was driving, mm-hmm. he one of our number one rules in our family that Andy established early for our kids was you don't disrespect mom. Mm-hmm. You know, number one rule: respect mom and treat mom, you know, a certain way. So we had a little incident where he was super disrespectful. And when Andy got home and kind of heard the whole story, he was furious. And he actually took a few days to figure out the discipline for our son, who's now, you know, we're in the coaching years Mm -hmm. at this point. And in the coaching years, you can take your time in disciplining. Mm -hmm. It's not like that they're going to forget, you know, what they did wrong, like a small child or a puppy, you know, Mm -hmm. so you've got, you've got a little time and and it actually makes them sweat Mm -hmm. when they realize, you know, what in the world is going to happen. So long story short, Andy, I tell Andy, this was his most brilliant parenting moment. He sat down with, with Garrett and and he said, here's what you've got to do. I'm not going to take your keys, not going to take your phone. Mm -hmm. I want you to go downstairs Look your mom in the eye and ask her out on a date, a dinner date, and take her to a nice restaurant. You're going to pay for it, and you're going to, you know, find your way to apologize to your mom while you're sitting at dinner. And he was like, oh, my gosh, Dad, just take my keys. You know, Mm -hmm. just, you know, take my life. Don't make me do that. Mm -hmm. And he said, nope, that's what you're going to do. So he comes, Garrett comes downstairs, and he said, Mom, well, I would like to take you to dinner. Would you Would you be free for me to take you to, to dinner tonight? And it was so awkward and so sweet. And I said, sure, absolutely. So we go, He, you know, we get in his truck. He drives me to this, you know, nice mm-hmm. restaurant. We, we're sitting there, this little Italian restaurant. We're dipping our bread in the olive oil on the table. And mm-hmm. he just looks at me with his big old brown eyes. And he said, Mom, I am so sorry that I was so disrespectful to you. Mm-hmm. I hope you'll forgive me. And I'm like, no, I'm still mad. No, of course. I was a puddle. Oh my word. I was a puddle on the floor. And 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 here's the thing, and the reason I tell that is in that moment, Andy didn't discipline Garrett 
the way, the traditional ways that mm-hmm. we think of disciplining, mm-hmm. he knew that relationship restoration mm-hmm. was the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so now fast forward to when he's, you know, 27 years old, we've just written this book and Danielle, his wife read the, the early release of, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, the manuscript. Mm-hmm. And she came up to me after she had read it and she said, Oh my word. I now realize why Garrett is so good at restoring our relationship when we've had a hard conversation or had a hard time or had an argument. Hmm. She said, it makes total sense why he's so good at that. Hmm. And I just thought, you know what? Talk about a bullseye on the target Mm -hmm. for his wife to realize that all of that training that we did and all of that coaching and all of that disciplining that was so exhausting, it is paying dividends in his adult life. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was just a huge, huge win. Mm. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, the fact that not only did it restore a relationship with you, but like you said, set him up for success with his own family that he'll be building. Yeah. Right. How important is that? And I think we can sometimes forget that, you know, like there's a whole, they're going to be parents. They're going to be spouses. Like, and employees. I mean, think about, think about a work environment where people are, where people understand how to restore a relationship. And where people are honoring one another Mm -hmm. and where people are, you know, loving their neighbor as themselves, like Jesus said, Mm -hmm. it's just a whole different ballgame when you've got a group of people Mm -hmm. who understand how to do that. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so speaking of this relational component, I think this is a perfect time to ask this question, especially because that discipline kind of turned into a conversation, it sounds like, you know, versus a a traditional punishment or whatever. So what I would love to hear is, I think a lot of moms might be wondering this, especially as their kids grow up a little bit and they're kind of past those early, early years. The thought of like, how do I get my kids to want to talk to me? You know, and so Mm. I want to hear what your thoughts are on how you cultivate an environment that encourages your kids to talk to you. Yeah, you're exactly right. That that really does happen as our kids kind of get to those late middle school years, Mm -hmm. early you know, early high school years, we want our kids talking. And that's why I said in the coaching years, we we want to focus on connecting over correcting mm-hmm. because we want to cultivate that environment where our kids are going to talk to us, even if it's stuff we don't necessarily want to hear. Mm-hmm. There were so many times when our kids were teenagers, they would tell us stuff and Andy and I would look at each other and later go, oh my word, would you have told your parents yeah. that? And we're like, no, <laughs> I never would have told my parents that. So so it, it really is so important. And so here's what I would say. I mean, they're, you know, our our kids are so, all of them are so different from each other, but be a student of your kids. Mm -hmm. We live in a day and age right now, you know, with Enneagram and temperament Uh tests and love languages and, you know, so many tools to understand the people around us better. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to apply that, not just in our marriages, Mm -hmm. but to our kids. Mm -hmm. So how is this particular kid wired and how do I approach discipline with them? How do I Mm -hmm. approach conversations with them Mm -hmm. that are going to set us up to be able to have conversations? So early on, we figured out the environment where our kids would open up best. And again, they're so different from each other. Mm -hmm. And when they get to be teenagers, you will want to know how to keep them talking. So Mm -hmm. for Andrew, we figured out that if he, he's, both of our boys were so into sports, like any sport on TV, baseball, golf, football, basketball, there's always a season, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so we figured out with Andrew, if he is sitting down watching an Atlanta Braves game and I sit down with him or Andy sits down with them, with him, you know, not, don't, you know, we knew you're careful. You don't want to interrupt the game where he can't Mm -hmm. focus on the ball game. But when he's looking at a ball game and we're sitting there with him 
he will open up and we can talk mm-hmm. about almost anything because this is his comfortable place, mm-hmm. his happy place. And, you know, some kids would be like, don't interrupt me while I'm watching my baseball game. Mm-hmm. But that for Andrew, we mm-hmm. were a student of Andrew and we realized that's when he opens up and talks. Mm-hmm. And for Garrett, for middle son, he's my, you know, physical touch and closeness kid. Mm-hmm. And so I, if I would scratch his back, while he was kind of, you know, in bed, maybe about to go to sleep, I could get that boy to tell me anything. Hmm. As long as I would scratch his back, he would talk. And I could ask some of the harder questions mm-hmm. and I'm scratching his back and he's feeling like my mom loves me. You know, mm-hmm. so that was that was my way with Garrett. Mm-hmm. With Allie, our daughter, she would come in from school, those, you know, middle school, high school years, and she would come barreling in the door, mom. You won't believe what happened. And she would just regurgitate her whole day. Mm -hmm. But if I was not at home, Mm -hmm. when she came barreling in the door, I missed my opportunity. Mm -hmm. And those were the moments when she wanted to talk while she's getting a snack, while she's unloading her backpack. Mm -hmm. That's just, so I I would say to those parents who are trying to figure out, you know, what is the environment that encourages your kids to talk to you? Study the environment, you know, try all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. And if something's not working, you just, you know, decide, try something else another day and you will eventually figure it out. And you'll probably figure it out during the training years because Mm -hmm. the things that they are set up to enjoy or environments they're set up to talk in, that it doesn't really change that much Mm -hmm. as they move into those teenage years, but just be a student of your kids. Know their Enneagram. There's a book that we highly recommend. It's called, maybe you've heard of it. I said this, you heard that. Mm, No. By, by Kathleen Edelman. And it's mm-hmm. about the four temperaments. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same as the DISC. If you remember mm-hmm. the DISC test mm-hmm. and all that, it's the temperament test. And we, oh my word, we took it first. We've been foster parents for about um, since 2010. And in one of our in one of our classes we had to do for continuing ed, they brought her in mm-hmm. and we all took this temperament test. Mm-hmm. And she talked about it in the context of parenting our foster kids. Mm -hmm. And it is so helpful Mm -hmm. in understanding your kids and, you know, kind of words that help them open up and words that shut them down based on their temperaments. It's really, really good. Wow. That's, I just looked it up. I'm like, oh, this is something I need to order. (laughs) It looks really fascinating. Wow. That's so interesting. So the temperaments, yeah, she does it in, in terms of colors. Hmm. So that dominant personality that's the D and the Mm -hmm. disc test is the red personality. Mm -hmm. The yellow is the, Hey, look at me. I love being on the stage. Mm -hmm. The world is my, Mm -hmm. you know, my audience kind of person is a yellow. Mm -hmm. The green is a little more laid back, a little introverted, Mm -hmm. kind of a little bit quiet. And then the blues are the ones that have to have all the information and usually have all their pens lined up by color. So, you know, it's just, you know, it's just so, it's so fun. It's a really fun thing. No, that's interesting. And a great tool, like you said, like leveraging and utilizing these different tools to better understand, not just our spouse or our friends, but our children so that we can better understand where are they going to feel most comfortable? How are they going to enjoy communicating? How do I study them and, and learn them, you know, because each, like you said, it's wild how every child, they can be raised in the same environment and they respond to totally different I things. I know. So, I know. These kids mm-hmm. are all from the same gene pool and they are so different. It doesn't yeah. even make sense. Yeah. But, yeah that's the way it works. Yeah. Well, something else I want to touch on, and I think this is important kind of even just in tandem with this idea of kind of like what you touched on with your daughter too. Like if you weren't home, the conversations weren't happening mm-hmm. at that, if it wasn't at that window. Right. Because yeah. this idea of like being available, I think is really 
challenging to a lot of parents. I think as you're navigating, you know, home responsibilities and work and parenting and all the busy schedules, it can be a lot. And I'd be yes. curious, you know, how did you, how did you navigate this? Cause I know there's a quote, I'm kind of going to mush together to a two in one question here, because there's a quote in the book from Andy that says, you love your family and your heart, but they can't see your heart. You have to love them on your calendar. So can we mm. talk about what does this mean? And yes. what are some practical ways we can use our time and our calendar as a way to show our, our love to kids, to our kids? Yes, it's so it's so important. It's really so important. I'm so glad you asked this question. So Andy and I in the book, we take turns writing chapters. Mm-hmm. And I wrote the chapter on schedule survival. Mm-hmm. And and the reason I did is because I was really kind of the one who managed our family calendar and all that. Mm-hmm. So so it was a little more natural for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um schedule is so important. And like you said, It's so important how we spend our time telegraphs a message to our loved ones, not just our kids, our spouses, our moms and dad, you know, our own parents and our siblings, you know, how we spend our time telegraphs a message to the people we love. We can say we love our families and say it consistently, Mm -hmm. but who and what gets our time Mm -hmm. is really what communicates what's most important Mm -hmm. to us and to our kids. Time is the currency of love. So I always say, first thing, use your calendar. And I am a blue in that temperament. So I do tend to want to calendar everything Mm -hmm. and have all my ducks in a row and all of that. Mm -hmm. But even if that isn't your tendency, your calendar can still work for your family's benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I discovered very early is my calendar is a powerful, practical way to communicate my love to my kids. And who primarily controls my calendar, if I'm honest, I do. Mm -hmm. I can kind of blame all the, you know, exterior things of, you know, blame my busyness on Mm -hmm. that, but I'm the one that controls my calendar. Mm -hmm. And just with my presence, I can send a message to my kids that they matter, Mm -hmm. that they're valuable, that they're interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's super important. So in your heart, like you said, in your heart, you know, you love them, but for them to grow up knowing it or feeling it, Mm -hmm. we have to love them on our calendar. Mm -hmm. And the primary way that we decided what makes it onto the calendar was to ask this question that we talked about earlier. Is this good for our relationships? And the answer to that question determined, does this make it onto our calendar? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in those early years of parenting, I had what I called my categorical no's, Mm -hmm. things that were categories of things that in this season I'm going to have to say no to. Mm -hmm. So some of those were writing opportunities, speaking opportunities. When my kids were little, those were my categorical no's. Mm -hmm. And even though there were things that they were things I thought I might like to do, I just would tell myself, you know what? This is a no for now, not a no for always. Mm -hmm. As soon as my time opens up a little bit, I can start saying yes to some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, that just, you know, that that just really helped me. So Mm -hmm. use your calendar and ask the question, is this good for our relationships? And determine what your categorical no's are in the different seasons of your parenting. Mm -hmm. I think all of that is super important. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I like the idea of categorical no's. I've never heard that because we often think of like specific opportunities or specific things things we get asked to do. But a lot of times, if you think about it, they are kind of like in different categories, whether it's a work opportunity or a social opportunity. And so just kind of being able to say, these are the things I'm going to prioritize and say yes to. And these are the things I'm going to have to say no to in this season for a temporary period of time. Exactly. It it puts a lot of clarity on things. And also, I think it's helpful to operate with some bumpers like that, you know? It Um, really is. And you know what's such an interesting thing that I figured out along the way, Jordan, was that when I would get invited to 
to lead something or to speak at something or to, you know, write an article on something or whatever those, those things were that were categorical no's for me during that particular season. Mm-hmm. When I would say no graciously, mm-hmm. it was almost like it gave people, other people permission to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like the person who was inviting me, mm-hmm. you know, she's got a calendar too and she's got kids or he's got kids and yeah. they're running, you know, burning the candle at both ends and, and feeling like they have to. And there were several times that I would say, you know what? Thank you so much for inviting me to do that. I'm in a crazy season mm-hmm. right now with little kids at home or, you know, we're in a busy, in a busy sports season right now with our kids. And I'm just, I just decided that for now I need to say no. And they would always kind of look at me with a blank stare, like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, is that allowed? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and yeah. so it, there were several people who circled back with me later and said, Sandra, when you said no to doing such and such and such, mm-hmm. I realized, you know what? I'm saying yes to too many things mm-hmm. and my kids are suffering. Mm-hmm. So not only are we you know, are we serving our families well? Mm-hmm. We never know what influence we might be having on somebody else who's, yeah. who has a tendency to overextend and over-calendar their yeah. family. Yeah, that's so true. So good. Okay, the last question yeah. I want to ask is specifically about the marriage relationship because this is part of the relational aspect of a family and parenting. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on why our marriages are so important for our parenting and what are some practical ways we can be intentional to strengthen mm-hmm. our marriages, especially in those really crazy years? Yes, <laughs> such a good question. You know, we have all heard that one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is a healthy marriage. Mm-hmm. And we've all seen that play out, whether it was in our own families or friends' families growing up, if maybe that wasn't the situation that we had. Mm-hmm. We've also seen the impact of poor marriages mm-hmm. on children. Mm-hmm. And Andy and I, Andy and I, as we were writing this book, we very quickly said, you know what, we we recognize that a two-parent healthy relational environment is not possible for every family. We have, like I mentioned earlier, so many single parent friends, either, mm-hmm. you know, because of death or divorce or whatever. And both of our dads were raised by single moms. Mm-hmm. Both of our our paternal grandfathers died when our dads were young. Wow. And Andy's dad, when he was a baby and my dad, when he was about 12 years old. So this, you know, the single parent thing is such, um, such a heavy thing on our hearts Mm -hmm. for the people around us. But as it relates to, you know, those of us who are married Mm -hmm. and our parents, you know, parenting with our spouse, which is such a gift, Mm -hmm. our goal, if our goal is to get to the finish line of parenting with kids who want to be with us and each other when they no longer have to be, which was our it, Mm -hmm. that naturally means we need to reach the finish line together. Mm -hmm. And so we tell parents all the time, prioritize your relationship, your marriage, even over parenting in some, in in many situations, because accomplishing your it requires that you fit, you know, make it to the finish line together. Mm -hmm. So two of the things that we, we talk about several things in the book, but two of the things were, we made it a priority every year, Mm -hmm. about twice a year to get out of town together without our kids. Mm -hmm. Even if it was two nights down the street, Mm -hmm. we just wanted to get out of town by ourselves just to take a break and be able to breathe and have conversations Mm -hmm. that are interrupted and all of that. And we'll now, you know, we talk about when we were, our both of our boys were playing baseball and we we're sitting on the bleachers. Andy was assistant coaching one of the teams. And we said, hey guys, you know, the little parent meeting after we're, we're going to be out of town next week. Our boys will be here. And, you know, I, the, you know, my mom will bring them to the games, but if somebody else could, you know, bring mm-hmm. snack or coach or whatever. And we had several people go, oh my word. 
you're going out of town without your kids. We haven't been out of town in 14 years without mm-hmm. our, you know, whatever. And it's so important because mm-hmm. A, it's great for your marriage. Mm-hmm. B, it's great for your kids to see you prioritize mm-hmm. your relationship in a world where a lot of their friends' marriages or, mm-hmm. you know, parents' marriages seem to be taking hits. It's so healthy for our kids to know that their parents' relationship is good. And then the other thing I mentioned earlier, we've been in small group all these years. And for us, it has been a non-negotiable for our marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, The accountability, the care that we have for one another within the group, and even the things that we're learning, whether we're studying a book of the Bible together Mm -hmm. or a curriculum or reading a book together, Mm -hmm. it just has made us better. It has made our marriage better, our parenting better, all those things better. So Mm -hmm. I highly recommend community with people, you know, other couples in your same season. And for single parents, even more, Mm -hmm. you know, to be in community with some other moms or women's group Mm -hmm. or mixed, you know, some married, some not. Mm -hmm. It's just healthy Mm -hmm. to have healthy community around us. And I think that's great for for our marriages. Mm -hmm. That's so good. So good. And such a good reminder because life can make it, like you said, years can go by and you can go, Oh my gosh, yeah. I haven't yeah. focused on, you know, so just making that a discipline is so, and a rhythm in your marriage, you know, like it is, it is it a rhythm. non-negotiable, you know, and it seems counterintuitive. It's like, no, we need to say no, because we need to be home with our family, mm-hmm. you know, with our kids on every, you know, on Monday nights. Mm-hmm. So it seems kind of counterintuitive, but it actually gives more to your family than it takes away. Yeah. Even though it takes away a little bit of time or an evening or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It's so good. Okay. So you've covered so much goodness. I'm like, I feel like we could talk for hours because this has just been so encouraging, especially to me as a new parent. I think we have a lot of women, you know, and listeners here who are either new parents or hoping to become parents or parents, sure. to, you know, some little kids and thinking about how do I do this as they get older. So there's been a lot of, I think, just really tangible takeaways in this conversation, which I'm so thankful for. I'm like trying to jot down all the notes. I'm like going to go back and re-listen to this, but I would love if you can just point us in the direction of where we can learn more from you. Where can we get the book for those who are like, I need more of this. Where can we find everything? Yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Thanks for asking. You know, your what you just said made me think of something about your audience. Cause I, I know that you have a lot of single women, probably mm-hmm. um, single folks who, who listen. And the funny thing about this content is this actually just relational in general, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we applied it you know, to parenting in the Mm -hmm. book, but these are relationship principles. Mm -hmm. All of these things really that we talked about, about relationship restoration and priorities and all of that kind of stuff. So for, you know, for the women who are listening, who, you know, who are still, who are single and, you know, want to, you know, looking to be married someday, of course, Mm -hmm. and to to have a family, even now, so many of these, these principles that we talked about are still important, Mm but yes, um, you know, everybody typically gets their, their uh, resources from Amazon. So of course it's on Amazon and we did an audible version where Mm -hmm. Andy and I actually read our chapters. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. You can listen to it if you're driving around or or certainly find the books there or or in any local, you know, most Mm -hmm. local bookstores, of course, as well. And um, yeah, and we also, you know, we both have websites, that sort of thing. And North Point Resources, you know, got lots of our Lots of our stuff there too. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, we'll definitely link that in the show notes. You guys definitely check out their book. And Sandra, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for being here. It's been so valuable. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's always fun to chat. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. 
tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less.